A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Now hanging out with the guys at Obstructive View. We are not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs. We're just a bunch of guys who love the local nine, enjoy talking baseball, and of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hello, this is Ken. Uh, with me today is Jeff and Adam from Obstructive View, and we're going to basically treat this as a gigantic rant. How's that for a plan, guys? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds great. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy-colored dreams, toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow yeah i i don't even have the game on right now that's how bad it's gotten it's like it used to be kind of enjoyable and there were certain signs that you know this team could be doing well and now you know the second half comes along uh everything seems to be falling off the rails guys what's going on I know. It is, it is just one game against a bad team. Of course, they're losing to the Nationals again as we speak. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Baseball sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say the um, it's bad to lose against bad teams, even if it is one game. But I think that – kind of had in the back of our minds that we're going to have to have like a lights out second half. And it's definitely not off to a lights out start unless you're referring to turning out the lights on any playoff hopes that we may have had. Yeah. My point of view is that like they are, they're giving up way too many big innings, the pitchers that, you normally rely on are also giving up the big innings. The relievers that you're relying on are also giving. It, it's another one of those really super weird systemic things where everything that can possibly go wrong is going wrong all at once. And I, I think sometimes you can explain it as that's baseball, but sometimes I, I think you got to look introspectively and say something with roster construction is broken, something with lineup construction is broken. There's no confidence. Everybody's pressing, and you know this is what we get. Well, my opinion is always when those things are happening consistently or chronically. I always want to blame the manager. I know it's something that happens. A lot, you know, it's the easy go to fire the manager. That'll make everything okay. But this is one of those cases when I think it's it's warranted because it's just kind of like this mojo thing. I mean, like stupid mistakes and just pressing and just not playing like 
themselves. Um, you know, I, I can point to all the dumb bunt decisions and, and uh, batting substitution moves I disagree with, but I just think an overall vibe check is the only way to change the attitude of an entire team, in my opinion, is change the manager. And I don't know what it is about David Ross that would make him indispensable to where you would say, no, we're not going to make a change. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, like you said, like, like as far as the actual, like, you know, day-to-day managerial decisions, especially now that we have the DH, like, you know, I don't really have that much to complain about for Ross, at least relative to other managers, because every manager fucks these things up. But, um, yeah, just five-wise, it just, it just, it just doesn't seem good. Like, not, not, not quite as bad as in the, uh, in the, in the fire sale days with the, with the end of the last, uh, the last generation of, uh, I don't know, good Cubs players, but, this is more of a more of a blah vibe rather than a you know the, the party's about to end vibe. Yeah, and a, a quick like team change, not to totally change the subject, but are the Cardinals not gonna fire their manager? <laughs> is is Marmol that special? Because wow, I mean, <laughs> how does he have a job? I, I honestly uh, don't know. Yeah. He's, he's buddies with the GM, I guess. I, I think they're a package deal. I mean, I mean what happened with uh, Schiltz was real weird too. Like, I, I don't, I, I know there were rumblings that there was some sort of internal strife between him and the front office, and that Marmol was the the front office guy. But no, I guess that's stuff we can't really see from uh, from our end. <laughs> yeah, but you can see it in the standings. Holy crap! <laughs> Oh man! I mean, if he if he wants his job to be safer, he needs to be uh, buddies with the owner, like uh, TLR and the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, actually the the owner probably and the GM probably recognize that it's it's not all the manager's fault in this case, and that's part of what I think about the Cubs too. In this case, like they were kind of constructed to fail. I was listening to Katie Wu on the uh, athletic podcast earlier today, and I think she's been harping on this for quite a while, that they were constructed to take advantage of like a pitch contact defense, but the defense might not be as good as it used to be. And without enough swing and miss bat uh, pitching, they just aren't constructed to win. And then of course you add not Yadier Molina, as your catcher, and there you go. So maybe that that's his saving grace is that, like, they recognize that the team he's been given isn't exactly the best. So they'll probably uh, finish out the year, and then they'll figure it out in the offseason like a lot of teams do. I mean, they'll, they'll probably trade all of these uh, you know, expiring contract poor-performing pitchers for, like, the next uh, – you know, Matt Holiday and Nolan Arenado. And, you know, th- I, th- I know that's just the way it's going to work because that's that's the way the Cardinals do things. <laughs> or at least the universe does things with respect to the Cardinals. Yeah, and they'll just manage to every move they make from here on out will 
result in some, you know, uh, about to turn 12 war player <laughs> falling into their laps as well. Uh, but yeah, at least we have the White Sox and Cardinals to kind of, you know, laugh at in our misery. Yeah, I think the this team right now, that there's a certain faction on what remains of Twitter that is very, very gung-ho against the front office and the manager and basically everything about this team, all the players that are currently on the roster. I'm still of the opinion that they're not as bad as their record shows, but they're definitely not performing like it. And so, you know, the trade deadline is literally <laughs> in a couple weeks. Uh, they don't have time to mess around. And if the trade deadline had been like end of September, like, you know, the waiver deadline or not end of September, but end of August, like the old uh, waiver deadline used to be. It would be a little different conversation. You can like let them try to right the ship a little bit, but there is no time. And eventually you're going to see guys get shipped out. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of weird to see certain contact bats like Nico Horner just start striking out a lot. It, it seems like they are pressing and it goes back to the opinion that. They, they just don't have the right attitude. Like everybody's kind of like panicking or trying to get the big hits and not playing their, their strong game anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I tend to think that the overall theory on roster construction was pretty solid. Like we saw the intent play out the way it was supposed to play out. The, you know, with defense up the middle being the core of this team, the problem being that while defense up the middle is very strong, it is not deep at all. And they just don't have the depth to be able to afford losing their second baseman, their shortstop, their center fielder, for big stretches of the season, and that is exactly what has happened. It's not been, like, total devastation where they're out for months, but these, like, 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever it was for Bellinger, those, that many games at a time, you take, it wasn't just, like, their strength. It was kind of their only hope was for the defense up the middle to carry this team and just, really limit the damage on runs. And as that has changed, it's been like, yeah, it is great to have Nico turn, you know, be able to cross the infield and be the shortstop. But your replacement in second base is not that great. <clears throat> and that's just the, the problem is they don't have, and everywhere, everywhere else, you know, at the corners, in the outfield, and on the infield, it's not that great, and sometimes it's kind of bad. So I don't – I mean, I, I haven't been gung-ho about the the roster construction being great, but I thought the theory was sound. It's just there is no depth, and they couldn't afford to have injuries, and they have had injuries. So it, it's it, it was interesting to see it happen, but I think it's something where they have to be – not just strong up the middle defensively 
for that plan to work, you've got to have a couple utility infielders who are also strengths. And it's just that's their premium defensive positions. It's hard to really have a stockpile of guys who are plus defenders at the major league level. I mean, I, mean, I think you're you might be have a little recency bias here because they're they're missing a super utility man, Nick Madrigal, your your favorite player on this team. Well, that's true. I mean, I've said from the beginning, we can't afford not to have Nick Madrigal in the lineup every single day, or at the very least, ready to pinch hit at the drop of a hat. And, you know, that's been devastating, frankly, not seeing his name up there more frequently. The fact that you were able to do that so deadpan is actually very impressive. So (laughs) applause. I am very proud of myself. Thank you. Yeah, uh, not to diss Nick Madrigal too much, but he's actually been one of the better third basemen and he was starting to hit very well before his hamstring decided to bark again. And well, that like is over, unfortunate. It was like you know. over a, it was like over a three week stretch. I mean, it was, it was nice to see yeah. him. But, uh, yeah. It, it was, it, no lie. Like, I'm not even kidding. He was what I would have expected as kind of best case scenario Nick Madrigal to be. In that stretch. And it's not just like, yeah, I mean, it was a small sample, but in all the big samples, he never hit the ball hard at all as a Chicago Cup, like not even once. And so you started to see him actually make solid contact. So it seemed like a significant, a significant um, difference somehow that maybe he was more healthy. Maybe, you know, he was out of his head. I don't know. But it, it it wasn't like he turned into my favorite player, but he was serving the the function that you expected him to serve. And he's a he's a decent player to have in the lineup, but that's how he's how he's going to play. So I thought after you know, he went down to the minors, he came back, he was a major league baseball player. So and I don't even have to like force myself to be serious about that. It's not the best, but yeah. Not a liability. And it is. I mean, that's that that is another defensive um step back that they've taken of not having the guys that they were planning on having. And that's not really the, the manager's fault or the player's fault that guys just get injuries. Like that's baseball, that's any kind of sport because unfortunately humans are fragile and you know, ligaments strain and muscles uh, tear and, you know, bones break, right? So there's not much you could do about that. It's inevitable. But, uh, like you said, the depth thing is major. And, you know, now you're stuck with Chris Morrell, who's, you know, he, he can step in just about anywhere on the diamond, but not very well on in any position. And now he's got a, a neck issue. So he's got stretched from the lineup and now you've just lost a power bet. And now you have to rely on Miles Mastroboni. And so, you know, I think he just got like his first hit in many, many at bats tonight. And uh, then, you know, they promptly ended the ending after that because the lineup is just so inconsistent. Like after the first three guys who are supposed to hit, but they aren't, then you have Cody Bellinger who has been hitting and then everybody else is just like, you know, it's literally hit or miss, and oftentimes it's a lot it's more miss than miss. usual. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty terrible. Like they've lost the ability to make contact and that just kills any momentum that you have. I just thought I'd revisit the, the stat I looked at earlier, earlier this year live on the podcast of how terrible the Cubs were in the clutch. And it would not shock to hear you that the Cubs are still in last place in the, uh, Fangrass WPA clutch stat. It's not by as giant of a margin. Uh, it's still the Padres and Cardinals who are, who are right behind them, but some, some things haven't, haven't changed. <laughs> yeah. And that's like uh, the defensive side is one thing. The offensive side, it just took such a hard right turn from, you know, it, it seemed like they were clicking on all cylinders and then they went through a tough stretch where they couldn't get it. They couldn't get a hit with runners on base. And then it's just kind of, you know, with brief interruptions of, you know, offensive competency, it's been mostly just guys choking all the time, anytime they need a hit. And, you know, that, I think that's where the, the sense of this team has a vibe issue, um, has, has come up is just seems like, they can't get it done when they need to. Like they're putting way too much pressure on themselves. And when I hear Ross being like, you know, we got, we need to have guys, you know, showing accountability in their at bats and stuff. It's like, maybe just loosen up, dude, because I don't think the like take, take your at bat seriously thing is the problem. I think it's probably they're doing that too much. Um, at least that's my general sense of it. Yeah, maybe it's my lying eyes, but there's been a lot of basically uh this particular pitching staff, except for like the hundred mile per hour guys, and even they uh aren't getting a lot of swing swing and miss because I, I think like the fastball's fast, but if you time it up, that that baseball is going a long way. And that happened to da- Daniel Palencia the other day. That happened to Merriweather. Like it's great to have high high velocity arms, but you got to have some swing and miss. And a lot of these guys, uh, even though Kyle Hendricks has been getting some like Smiley's getting some, they're not getting it consistently. So now you have to rely on like a broken (laughs) ish defense in order to try to make up the difference. And I don't think it's making, it's helping any. So I, I just keep yelling at the TV, stop calling the home run pitch, like maybe put it down in the zone, but, Again, you know, baseball's hard. You can't aim the baseball where you want to 100% of the time. And, you know, this this is what we get. Like, there's no margin for error with this team. And since they made the errors, uh, we get the record that we see. Yeah, there was one issue. Like, I, I'm sure I mentioned it, uh, you know, on our site. But Hendricks' last start. It just looked like they knew what was coming every pitch. Like it's one thing, like his, his changeup isn't that difficult to hit if you know it's coming and it just always seemed like they knew it was coming. Like, I mean, it was, even if it was fading off the plate, it's just like they tracked it all the way in and were just absolutely demolishing it. And, you know, I, I think it's one of those things like with him starting to call his own 
pitches with the, what is it called? The pitch tracks. I wonder how, how many different ways pitchers might have of tipping their pitches using this different method and not knowing it. And I, I wonder that with the entire system, like, is there ever, is there ever a, a, a notion that because they're using a different system, they're doing something differently in, you know, how they're holding their glove or, or what? Because man, there have been times where it just seemed like, you know, they're looking at the controller when you, <laughs> when you decided what pitch to make and they just, they just know exactly where it's going, how fast it's going to be. And, and it just does not look hard to hit those pitches sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's called Pitchcom. And I, I think it's hard to hack something like that because I, I think it's basically a two way receiver on a specific channel or something. But, uh, I know that if you put it on your hip, there, there's, a tendency that you have to look at it like, you know, you're looking down the side and maybe that uh, is what you're talking about. That's if I look at it a certain way and my eyes and hands are moving a certain way, maybe that tells them based on where the buttons are on the pitch com. And you can actually program those so maybe they can mix it up. So I don't know that the pitch com is the issue. I think, however, that's like the way He's doing other things, uh, with, you know, independently of the pitch com might have been tipping those pitches. So he, he got hammered quite a bit. That was like five home runs in the, the start. So something weird was going, happening. And, you know, he's also one of those pitchers where he has no margin of error because he doesn't throw fast enough. So if he doesn't have the right command, that's going a long way the other way. So yeah. Uh, well, we, we are, of course, a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. I think, uh, at this point, if they're going to be that far behind and, you know, uh, certain other teams are losing or tied right now or, you know, they're still flawed, but they're not nearly as flawed as this particular team is. And, you know, thank goodness for the Pirates and Cardinals or else we'd be even more depressed, uh, with the way this team is in the standings. Uh, however, you know, reality is that with these two weeks coming up, uh, if they don't essentially sweep every single game, if they don't come back from this game, uh, most likely they are going to sell. And what I'm hoping for, and I think we talked about this last week, is that it's basically only like the fringe guys who aren't going to be here next year anyway, uh, they're going to obviously build around Suzuki and Hap and Horner and uh and Jansby Swanson. And there's a bunch of guys that they could potentially call up. So eventually they are going to get Cody Bellinger off to a contender. Marcus Stroman is probably going to go to a contender. I think both of them have expressed interest in sticking with the team, but that's obviously out of their control. So, you know, they might come back in free agency if the Cubs actually find some money. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I guess we'll see. 
Go ahead. That's also part of the weird vibes thing. It's like, like the vibes are bad, but like Marcus Stroman clearly wants to come back. So maybe, maybe the vibes aren't bad for him. I don't know. It, it, it seems above and beyond the, the usual, like, you know, hey, give me an extension. I, I think he literally enjoys playing in Chicago. So it's, it's a, like, I just don't know what to think, right? I mean, it's just, it's like, uh, sorry, I'm very, very rambling here. Like, like my preseason feelings of this team, like, oh, you know, I think they'll win 80 games and I felt very optimistic about it. And, you know, in some sense, based on their run differential, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're even better than that, but, you know, they've got the record they've got. I, I just I have no idea what to make of this team, both the, both the record and the vibes. I don't know. Sorry to circle back to that earlier topic. <laughs> no, I, I think it, it's a good point because, it's like an in-game vibe versus an overall vibe. Like overall, I think the team's is, the team is pretty happy. Like they like it here. They like the fans. They like each other. You know, there's no. I don't get the sense that there's a big like clubhouse cancer issue where guys aren't getting along or you know somebody's a problem. It's just like in the game, they're putting too much pressure on themselves or you know or something. But yeah, it's not like where the whole thing is breaking down and guys just don't want to be there. And I think that's a that's another testament to the feeling that maybe the, the the manager is the problem or you could change the vibe with a different manager because it's so slight like all the ingredients are there for guys to have a lot of fun and and play well. Um but the other way that you can change the vibe on a team is to just say, screw it, we're going to be buyers. Like, send a message to the rest of the division saying, yeah, we're playing like crap, but you know what? We think you suck, and we think we can catch you if we make some moves. So as as much as it feels like a foregone conclusion that they're going to get rid of Bellinger, I really hope they don't do it. Like, for multiple reasons. One, I don't feel like this fan base or even I myself can go through another like, hey, we're going to try this, you know, we'll try next year where you just pack it in and you just turn it into a, just a big downer for the, the second half where you're like hoping Frank Schwind- Schwindel can get you a few <laughs> W's. Like, you've got to show that you are trying to win it all. And while we or you, you, you do said do you mean win it all or just win at all? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, either one. <laughs> one or two would be great. Uh, like that's the that's the 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 thing that I think is missing is like this idea that there is this killer, you know, smelling blood in the water uh, instinct that they have, which is so weird because they made. So many moves that just seem so, seem so good. Like the starting rotation was just set. Like, I mean, they've been really impressive for most of the year. You got two all stars on the starting rotation. Bellinger, I mean, it was, this was kind of like the, the second best case scenario is maybe he has a decent year and you can get something for him in a trade. And now we're seeing it. And like, I'm like, no, don't get rid of him. Like, hold on to him because if he really is back and they got him for whatever it was one year and is there a, a option for a second year, whatever it is, like if there's a way to bring him 
him back and have that, you know, as as your guy, and and the division is going to suck this bad, like. Go for it. Get Otani. Do whatever you have to do to improve the the team because the Cardinals aren't coming. You know they're not. You know right. chasing your heels. Go I mean, for I mean, it. There are the Reds. I mean, at least as far as teams with good vibes go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but those got to wear out at some point. I mean, come on, it's still the Reds. Yeah. Yeah, the Reds haven't been doing as hot lately. I I I like the way you're thinking. I don't think, unfortunately, they're going to get Otani. Even though, you know, if I were playing my video game, I put force trade on and do it. Uh, but I think the <laughs> other alternative that isn't selling is just standing pat. You can get a QO for for Cody Bellinger at the end of the year if you wanted to. Uh, and I think standing pat might actually send um, – it wouldn't be a mixed message. It wouldn't be a negative message. They're not adding, but they're also not breaking up the band that like each other and at times have been performing well. And now you're saying, you know, we can't mortgage the future for X, Y, and Z, but we do have confidence that you can uh, take over this really poor division. So maybe standing pats is is a good alternative. I mean, I mean, selfishly, that's what I would hope they do for for several reasons. I mean, but most selfishly, it's because they don't come to uh, Colorado or Arizona until September. So I still want to watch a Cromulent Cubs team when I see them in person. But uh, but you know, even on top of that, like you know, I, mean, I guess the Cubs to get like PCA for. Uh, for for one of those trades on the last fire sale, but you know you know me and prospects. I'd rather just have major league baseball players, right? <laughs> not prospects. So I just assume that anyone they they're going to trade for is going to fail. Not not because they're the Cubs, but just because that's what prospects do. Um. So you know they're they're still crowding now, even if uh even if they're frustrating. I mean maybe maybe longer term if you look at it actuarially, that like yeah maybe they should trade some guys, but I just. Don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, even if they just made uh, not giving up the farm trade, you know, I, I I wish they would just put Morel at first and bolster the the bench with some decent hitting guys. You know, with guys who maybe are as skilled as what they were hoping Mancini and Hosmer could be. Because the first base carousel right now, oh my god, it is a dumpster fire. And so with if I gotta imagine you can teach Morel how to play first. Um I mean they're they're still nervous. I mean he, he struggled when he came up, but maybe he came up too soon. At, at least as far as uh maybe next year goes. But but yeah, yeah, sure. Put him at first for the rest of the year. I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you got someone who could come off the bench and actually, like, meaningfully hit, you know, like, someone with <laughs> the, the the contact ability of Madrigal and the power of Patrick Wisdom, is that too much to ask? I mean, maybe, yes, that is very too much to ask, but I'm still asking. I'm asking. Yeah, I think the... 
the talent level is obvious when you're thinking of a Matt Mervis. Like he's shown what he can do in Iowa and what he has been doing in Iowa ever since he got sent down. And Trey Mancini is basically proving every single day as much as I like him as a person and as much as he was a good player, like, wait, you know, once upon a time, he's not anymore. And the Cubs have already sunk the money. They've shown a willingness to do, you know, certain moves and eat contracts, eat that contract, give Mervis time to, to show what he's got, because you're going to have to anyway, at some point, uh, whether you're showcasing him for a trade or whether you're grooming him to be the first baseman in the future, uh, it's got to happen. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the frustration uh, from myself and from what I've seen is just you're giving so many at bats to people who aren't deserving of them, who haven't earned them. And maybe it's time to just stop that. And the second half after the trade deadline, whether or not you've gotten rid of Cody Bellinger and whatnot, it's a good time to do that. Just like start jettisoning people who aren't doing anything and put in other folks who might be able to do something like what have you got to lose at that point, right? Yeah. I don't know what they have to lose. <laughs> that's a, that's a good, good question. But I mean, what do you like? What's your gauge on the, the overall fan base? I know like Twitter is even more of a dumpster fire than normal. So maybe it doesn't really tell you anything, but do you get a sense of the, 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 the real hardcore fans are going to put up with another, like, ah, we gave it our best shot. Let's pack it in and we'll try again next year type of move or even a, well, we're not, you know, we're not going to really do anything. We're not going to get anything for the guys and we're not going to get anybody new. Like, I, I, I think, think people really make a push. I think people would be okay if the Cubs more or less stood pat as far as the crazy fans go. Like, I, I don't think there are a lot of people clamoring for the Cubs to buy, but maybe, maybe I'm not uh, in the right Cubs or wrong, <laughs> depending on what, uh, <laughs> which way you look at it, circles. I think most of us uh, as around the community that I just kind of hang out in just want them to play well. Like Jeff and I have been talking about this for literally months now. Just play better, guys. They're, they haven't been, and that's the problem. Like, if they can justify buying, we would love that. We don't care who they buy. Like, just show that you're trying. And the thing with throwing away at-bats, throwing away outs, you know, all the, those things, that's kind of what's been really frustrating is because they're pissing away all these opportunities. So at this point, if you have the opportunity to give – uh, a rookie more at bat so that he can figure out how to adjust. Do that. If you have the ability to give more innings to a Daniel Palencia and see what he has, do that, you know? Uh, just, I, I feel like they need to more actively show that they are trying to field a good team. Bring, bring and back up. How's he doing in Iowa? He's been hitting the crap out of the ball. He, he's got a pretty good average and everything. So I, I think. He obviously can't hit Iowa, you know, pitching in the whatever the hell they call AAA these days. 
Bring him off and play him every day. I mean, I think this was the complaint complaint we had when he was on the team was like, you know, they were trying to hide him against like all these tough pitchers and he got to the point where he's only playing like two games a week. So I'm like, you gotta, you gotta put him out there if he's gonna, if he's gonna get any, uh, get any, get any rhythm, no matter how good the pitchers are or if they're lefties. I mean, yeah, or let Amaya catch every day or most of the days and get rid of Tucker Barnhart at some point because unfortunately like if you look at pitcher record with Tucker Barnhart not so good if you look at his batting average despite the recent quote hot streak not so good so you you just got to stop carrying three catchers on the roster when one of them is basically just warming a seat most of the time you know uh I think we just wanted to see some kind of effort. And I think standing pats would be a good compromise, basically saying, you know, we can't sacrifice the future by buying at this point because the team hasn't justified that. But we also believe in the guys that we have. So we're not going to sell either. And even if they did trade like a couple of guys away, they're not going to trade, you know, the core that they just extended or anything like that because there's something to build on. Like you've seen what they are capable of. It's just a matter of like, especially with talent from the minor leagues, like you see what Matt Mervis can do in the minors. Why can't you translate that to the majors? Like if he can do that at Iowa, try to cultivate him so that he can start doing that more at the major league level. That's what a lot of other organizations seem to be able to do. And the Cubs have like this weird disconnect. And maybe that's just my confirmation bias, but that's what I'm seeing is like, you're 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 having a lot of pitchers suddenly lose command or decide, hey, I don't want to throw a strike anymore or stupid stuff like that. So I, I really just want to see better translation of skill set to the major league level. And I don't think that's necessarily all the players issue. I think some of that has to fall on the front office and the hey, coaching staff. That. Sorry. Cool. But, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I feel like, I, I feel like they're on the right track, especially because they can actually, uh, find good talent, right? Through trade, through draft, through whatever you've seen, how rapidly the prospects have risen in the farm. But again, translate that success to the major league level. That's what I want. I do wonder, and I know it is a, a pipe dream, but what does it take to get Otani? Like, at this point, does he have veto power over trade? Like, does he have, like, some limited um, no-trade clause? Or no, once they, uh, they, they, when they change the, the rules, way, they could get it. Yeah, when they changed the rules for when he signed, he no longer had, like, say, the Jorge Soler contract. You you can't do that. So that's why he signed for so little, because they were maxed out on what they could sign him for. And so he basically came in as a normal MLB player, uh, foreign player, and he was subject to the arbitration system. That's why he got $30 million this past year as a one-year contract. That was basically his arbitration uh, value. So he doesn't have no trade value. He doesn't have those 10 to 5 rights because he basically hasn't been here for 10 years. Uh, I think what it takes to get Otani 
is to just let him go to free agency and throw all kinds of money at him because I don't that, think I mean, the, the Cubs are going to throw the farm at him. That's where, uh, personally, I think if you have him on your team, you you still have exclusive negotiation rights. I would make my I would give up the farm just for the chance to pitch him on I Chicago mean, you, in Chicago. You know what I mean? It, like you 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 know my opinion of prospects, but I don't think there's any way the Cubs have enough to to get up. Like even if they traded their entire, I guess it's a top ten farm system now. I don't know, whatever. But I I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean they 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 very well might not. I mean it could be like I don't know if it's PCA and Nico Horner and you know whatever. But I would do whatever it took to to blow them away um, with any mix of like you know if it's throwing Wesneski in there. Um, just over the top with whatever it is, you know, whatever it is they have that they can give, I'd be making every effort just to get him it, because it's, it's, it's for, you know, three months of Otani. Like, I don't know what the other pitches are out there, but I would be trading for him whatever value I would, you know, would equate to three seasons of Otani, I would be trying to put that into a pitch because, I mean, just imagining what the rotation would look like with Otani, Stroman, Steele, and whatever they decide the the back end of the rotation would be, and not having your non-playing defensive catcher as your DH and upgrading that to Otani as well is just like it's absolutely mind blowing what that would do and what it would look like for this city. So I would whatever it is, whatever too much is, I would give twice that. <laughs> um, you know, and I yeah, force trade man. <laughs> point taken, point taken that they don't have necessarily the pieces you know, that might look sexy enough to to make the Angels pull the trigger. But even if it was just for the chance at negotiating with them, I would give – I would overspend for three months at an outside shot at a wild card spot because, for me, it's all about that that negotiation window and being able to show him – what it's like in Chicago firsthand, not somebody talking to you about it, but seeing it and feeling it, um, you know, maybe it turns into that Mark McGuire in St. Louis situation where by September he signed an extension, you know, that that's my pipe dream and I'm living it. Well, that's, that's what we do here is a lot of dreaming, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think the realistic option is that, well, first of all, I don't know if the Angels are going to sell. I don't know if any other team is going to be crazy enough to pony up a contract for, for a three-month rental. Uh, that doesn't mean that it won't happen, but it, it just seems unlikely at this point. That's why I think the most likely scenario is 
you let them go to the free agency and you just start like liquidating all your cash so that you can get them. I, I think that's the, that's the big ticket. And I'm not entirely sure if the Ricketts can do it. They do have that new sports book that's about to open up like way wide soon. Uh, and you know, Marquis is supposedly going to have like, you know, a standalone app and hopefully have, you know, slightly less sucky production. Uh, but yeah, the, the revenue should be there. There's a lot more attendance in baseball games these days because of the pitch clock, possibly. So the revenue is going to be there. They just have to like start throwing some of it at good players. And that includes Otani. I do want to throw in, I do think it's more likely that the Cubs get Otani than that they make the marquee app actually good. (laughs) I guess that's fair. I don't actually have marquee because I'm out here in California and they don't allow us to do it, but uh, I'm going to take your word for it since you're actually in the Midwest. But yeah, there's a lot of been a lot of complaints about the production value and, you know, the play by play and the way they, show replays and stuff like that, like marquee oh, and goofy. The three man booth just sucks. I mean just just get JD in there every day. Like I'm I'm not a huge Boog fan, but I I, I can put up with him. But just just to make it Boog and JD. If he wants to take a vacation for a week, that's fine. But none of this three man booth nonsense. Or just have a consistent booth. You know? Like it's just I never know who's gonna be or they gotta games. they gotta or buy out Boo's ESPN contract or whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I'm all for guys, you know, going out and making that money. But had, missing that many broadcasts and just having that type of rotating, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm, door I'm, in the booth. I'm not going to complain about Pat Hughes still again for because the, the more Pat Hughes we get, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pat Hughes, he's going to be inducted in as the 4C Frick uh, winner in the Hall of Fame this weekend. So that should be really cool for us uh, to talk about next week. Uh, you, you guys saw that MLB just took over the Diamondbacks broadcast rights, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw the headline uh, no. just before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, I imagine a point where MLB is going to kind of like Disney, like Disney just bought out Marvel and Star Wars and everything else, so they have a monopoly. They're basically now, by and large, from Wally, right? And now MLB is going to take control of their product at some point, and hopefully that means no more blackout restrictions and and a better viewing experience for everybody, even if they are now the monopoly, at least I'm paying for something that I want, right? So hope, hope, hope that works. <laughs> if you're going... To go all in having gambling be a part of your game and your revenue, you have to make it easy to watch a game no matter where you are, especially games that people care about. So when you have blackout restrictions that make it harder for you to watch your games or your favorite teams, that that is like just like trying to get cancer. You know, for your business, like it just, it doesn't make any sense. So I think, like, and I do think they're going all in in using and leveraging gambling to, you know, bring in even more money to the sport. 
you have to be able to watch and you have to be able, you know, you can't have restrictions on viewing no matter where you are. And that archaic system that they have, it, it, it should be gone. As much as I hate the gambling is kind of the, the, the leverage point for the, them to make this happen. I, I do think it, it just has to, it just has to end. You can't have these just stupid 18th century broadcasting restrictions. I know that doesn't make any sense, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, they'll just block you from going into like the Globe Theater or something you can't see. <laughs> that does make sense. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, thanks guys for hanging out with me today. I know like y- y'all are busy and I appreciate your time. Uh, of course you can find us on what remains of Twitter, uh, you know, we still have accounts. I'm probably more active than the rest of you combined, but, uh, yeah, it's been kind of accessible. So, and if you want a cool community of folks who like talking about stuff, including baseball and the immaculate grid, you can go to obstructiveview.net. This podcast is, of course, on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. So please rate and review, share with your friends. I'd like to thank Rich Deanna for a theme song, Randall Sanders for pulling the final out call from the World Series. And, uh, yeah, any last words, gentlemen, before we head out? I was just la- laughing at this national player who just dropped an easy pop-up to left field, but, of course, this is the Cubs. They still managed to throw someone out of third. <laughs> I mean, I mean e- easily, because, you know, who, who would tag up on that play? But. Yeah. <sighs> Otani. Yeah, well, we'll get him one way or the other, right? Thank you. Uh, in yes. our, in my family, fantasy world with forced trade on. But in the meantime, thanks for listening, everybody. And go Cubs.